It's whether you're going to receive what God's got for you, not the person next to you, but for what God's got for you. Doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, God has got something to say to you today. He most probably has already been talking to you, but he's got some more things to say. So be open to what the Spirit is going to say. So Father, we just release you, Mitzi. We give you permission to flow freely in the Spirit with your friend. You are a friend of God. You are a friend of God. That's what I hear the Spirit saying. You are a friend of God. So we want to hear God's voice today through your voice. So we release you to be free. And I pray over the congregation, Lord, that each and every one of us, myself included, we won't just be distracted doing things, um, getting things out of our bag and thinking about what we're having for dinner. We will listen to your voice today. We only have today to live. So whatever you've got for us today, you give us today our daily bread. Let us receive the daily bread that you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from um, Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. We are reading the first eight verses of that chapter. Chapter 8 of Nehemiah from verse 1 to 8. And all the people gathered themselves together as one, one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded of Israel, to Israel. And Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And extra described, stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Matitiah and Shema, and Anah and Urijah, and Hikia and Masia, and on his right hand and on his left hand, Pedia and Mishia and uh, Mikia and Hashum and Ashishabadana. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, and all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of of their hands but they bowed their heads and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground verse 7 also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebia and Jami and Akum and Shabite Hodija Messiah Kelita Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, Pilar, and Levites. And the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. Verse 8, the final verse. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the, and gave the saints, and caused them to understand the reading. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Cola. And um, you can see why I didn't particularly want to read that passage. Um, I've read that passage several times. And when I get to those names, you know, I tackle some, leave others. Um, but I want to thank you, uh, Kelly and Willie's Community Church, for the opportunity to come and minister to you. And... Um, you know, I, I feel very much at, at home here. Um, 
and Kelly gave me the kind of unusual kind of parameter in which to, to minister the word. She specifically said from Nehemiah 8, uh, verse 1 to 8. And then I asked her again, is just this passage? She said, yes. And so as I've read and read that passage of scripture, um, I have to tell you now, Kelly, I've got to use, I've got to use verse 9 as the Lord leads. So um, just, to, just to recap on, on, that script, on that passage, because uh, here we have the, the people, uh, they've come together in unity, and the, the Bible mentions that they've come together, it was the first day of the seventh month, and they've come together and they've approached Ezra. So we could say that they have decided it's the first day of the week, it's Sunday, we're going to church, we want to hear what the word says. Kelly and your team, can you read the Bible to us? And on this particular uh, occasion, they were all inclined, inclining their ears to hear the law, to hear the book of Moses, and um, the Woodage Community Church leadership team, they read for hours and hours, which is not what I'm going to do this morning. Um, I'll just give you a bit of sense of relief there. So they wanted to hear, they listened, and in response to their listening, in verse 9, Nehemiah and Ezra and all of the people that taught the people, they had to address the people's reaction to the reading of the word because they were mourning and they were weeping. Ezra and Nehemiah had to say to them, that this is not the time for that. And what I wanted to kind of home in on was that sometimes we come to church and our response to the word of God is not as it should be. They had had hours of listening to it. And what I believe happened to them, because they were in one accord, they were all united is that they behaved in a way that they thought they should behave, which is sometimes what we do. We come together, we, we kind of roll with the kind of um, methods and behaviours of our local church or of Christianity, and they took it upon themselves to mourn and to weep in response to hearing the, word, the words of the law. Now, what was significant about their response and why Ezra and Nehemiah were probably looking at them and thinking, what are they doing? Why are they responding in that way? And what is wrong with it? Well, firstly, the, a time, the time in which they were, they'd come together, they had just finished building the wall, which they did miraculously in 52 days. This this was a celebration, and it was known as the, one of the, the Feast of Trumpets. And it was a celebration known as Yom Terah, which is also known as Roa Hashanah. And on this particular occasion, um, it, it, was a, it was a mixture of Babylonian and old traditional ways of of kind of coming together and it was being used as an opportunity to mark a new year, a new period. So they had come together on this New Year's Day, which we know is a time of celebration. It's a time where you know you're approaching this opportunity to reflect on things that you may or may not have achieved and to kind of set down markers for how you're going to live the following year, the, the, the coming year. So it was a time for them to reflect and a time to celebrate. And the reason why it was called the Feast of Trumpets, it was a time to make noise. It was a time to shout. It was a time to throw down markers and to just proclaim the, the goodness of God, the victories, the deliverance. It was a time to kind of uh, proclaim and prophesy over their life and over the future things that they were going to do. But that was not their response. Their response was to weep and to mourn and weep and mourn. 
and their weeping and their mourning, it bore no fruit. And I'll, I'll give you an example of some of the fruit that it should have borne by looking at Nehemiah's life um, as, I, as I continue. So why, why would I say that their, that their behaviour was fruitless? Well, sometimes we do have learnt behaviours. And unfortunately, many of us are not in a position to be challenged on our thinking, which affects our behaviour. So there was a, an example in Matthew 21 where Jesus, uh, when he saw the barren fig tree. So it was early in the morning and he'd, he was coming back from the city and he was hungry. Now, if anybody knows what it's like to be around a hungry man, I do. They just had this change and they need food. So, so Jesus, seeing the lone fig tree from a distance, he, he approached the tree in need of food and sustenance. And when he got close to the tree... He found nothing but leaves on it. So firstly, I used to wonder to myself, why did Jesus, loving, kind Jesus, why did he respond the way he did to the fig tree? Why did he curse it? What was so wrong with the tree not having figs? Well, I suppose it was the fact that he had a need. He was hungry. We as Christians are in places where people are hungry and they have a need. We may have told them that we're Christians and we serve the Lord. They may have heard because word gets around. We don't always partake of some of the things that they get involved in. And they have a need. And sometimes they're looking for the sustenance that they need. Jesus came to the fig tree and he saw there was nothing but leaves on it. Now, that tells me that the tree gave the appearance of being able to produce fruit. Because the leaves were on it, it should have had fruit. So my question to, to you today is, how many, how many people look at us and get close enough to our lives to see that we're not bearing the right fruit? But you have to get close enough. Because we have a way of masking things. And sometimes we do it deliberately, and sometimes it's unintentionally, and sometimes it's simply learnt behaviour. We just copy and mimic. So Jesus responded by saying, Never again will fruit come from you. And he cursed the fig tree, and it withered. Now sometimes it is possible, or it's not possible, but I want to look at another example, then I'll come back to the fig tree. So we see in the book of uh, 1 Samuel 15, we see Saul being confronted by Samuel. Saul had been given a mission to go and uh, to kill a particular uh, group of people that King Agag was the king of. He was told to kill them, utterly destroy them, kill all their livestock and everybody that was within this particular um, arena. And then Samuel comes to see him because the Lord had said to Samuel that Saul did not fulfill my commandment. So he approaches Saul and Saul is happily celebrating uh, the victory and he's celebrating the fact that he had done what the Lord had told him to do. And Samuel said to him, what is that, what is that I can hear? I can hear, the, 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 I can hear sheep. And you, you, you're not a shepherd. What are the sheep doing here? And he said, oh, um, oh, we kept the good sheep to sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel said, but isn't that King Agag walking past? What, what, what's he doing here? You were supposed to kill him and everything that they, that they have. And, Sam, and Saul said, but I did obey the Lord. I did. And Samuel had to tell him that because of your behavior, because of what you have done by not 
heeding to the instruction of the Lord, that you will lose the everything that God had in store for you. And sometimes in our lives, we think that we do what God has told us to do. Now, at the moment, um, Woodage Community Church, you're reading the book of Nehemiah, which we know is about the, the rebuilding of the wall. But not all parts of the wall were rebuilt. Some were, some were built upon the remnants of the wall. Some remnants could not be used at all, and they had to be discarded and built back from the very foundation. And so one of the things that we need to consider are some of the things in our lives that we think are okay, that perhaps they're not. And them of their own self, there's nothing wrong with them. However, if people get close enough, they can see that there's areas, attitudes, behaviours, or even ways of thinking that need to be adjusted. And we, we, we sung this morning about God being our uh, saviour, our healer, and, and our deliverer. But how does God heal you if you don't know you need to be healed? How does God deliver you if you only think of deliverance as being from a, an external source? Sometimes there is an enemy within. And sometimes we nurture that that enemy, that obstacle, that hindrance. Sometimes we do. And sometimes we learn to accommodate those behaviours. And then they become so ingrained in who we are that we almost don't recognise or realise that perhaps we shouldn't have those issues or those thought patterns in our life at all. And it's only the word of God that, that you hear and the light of God that shines in your life that can show you areas of yourself. So, so, you know, so going back to the fig tree, I thought to myself, looking at Saul's behaviour, where he said, but I did do what the Lord told me to do, which is sometimes what we, what we say, how we justify our shortcomings. You know, he was, he was, his thinking was not right. He was suffering from what Brian Tracy says, stinking thinking. And at times, we all need a checkup from the neck up. Because we do. Now, imagine if Jesus went to the fig tree and under the leaves were oranges. Now, some people might, might have still eaten the orange. But what about if cows started to lay eggs? You know, what about if Dogs were able to give milk. Huh? You know, that's, that's abnormal and that's unusual. So why is it that we think we can give God less than what he's asked us for and, and that be acceptable? Now, you, you all know, you know, you, you, you come to church, you want to hear the word, but sometimes we have our own filters that cause blockages so what the Lord wants to say to you. The Bible says, he that has ears, let him hear. But that, that passage of scripture, just preceding that, talks about the different types of soil that the word of God is sown into. The wayside, stony ground, among the thorns, good ground. How do you know that you're good ground? And that, this is why we need a checkup from the neck up. In my place of work, uh, I manage a, a small team. And one of the um, key things that I have to do with my team is to have regular one-to-ones and appraisals. And I have to look at their work, look at their performance, look at our targets. And I have to look at, you know, are they on track? Um, and if not, why not? What can we do? To, to bring you back to where you're supposed to be and get you performing in the way that you're supposed to, to do. But within, sadly, within the Christian world, we don't have appraisals and we don't have one-to-ones. 
and we, we do need them. We can't function in isolation, which is something else that we learn to do sometimes in the church and in the Christian world. We learn the Christianese language, how are you? I'm fine, I'm blessed, praise the Lord. You know, we learn to say what people want to hear or what we think we should say. But really, sometimes we might have issues. Um, it may not be the time to go into all of that with whoever you're talking to. But within your ministry, God has appointed people to help you and assist you. But it starts with you being honest and with you recognising perhaps you're not where you should be. Perhaps you're not doing the things that the Lord is kind of speaking to you about, nudging you about. And the things that the Lord wants you to do, it, it may not be related to any ministry work whatsoever. Looking at, the, looking at Nehemiah, um, and I was looking at his, his call. So initially, Nehemiah, he was a cup bearer. So I thought, what, is a, what does a cupbearer do? You know, you just imagine that they just, you know, bring the food, bring the drink, put it down. But he was in a uh, position of being uh, esteemed by those around him. He was in a position of trust. And he was in a position where, because of the, um, because of the issues that had led to kings being appointed and kings dying and some of whom may have been poisoned, the cupbearer's role was to taste the food and to taste the drink. Now, I don't know how often you all eat and drink, but let's say it's several times a day. So Nehemiah's job was to, was to you know, bite the bullet several times a day, every day. How would you feel having to, having to taste somebody's food that was potentially poisoned? No, it's... So that told me, it began to tell me a, a lot more about Nehemiah and perhaps why he was used to lead the, the people to build this wall in 52 days and remain as governor for 12 years. He would have learnt to trust the Lord. You know, every day, several times a day, he was putting himself out there. And sometimes when we go to work, when we go and see our families, we're putting ourselves out there. We don't know what we're going to encounter. We don't know how they're going to respond. We don't know what every day is going to, going to bring us. So he, he put his life on the line and he would have had to have a relationship with the Lord because every taste he took, he could have been entering into eternity. How must he have felt? We heard last week that the government are going to be investing a lot of money in uh, mental health services uh, and they're going to recruit 20,000 people over the next, I don't know, four or five years. And when I heard that, I thought to myself, wow, that's a lot of people for mental health services that tell, that it made me wonder, what is the condition of people's lives today? Inside and outside of the church. And sometimes mental health problems, they're not always deep and, you know, they're not always phobias, but it's sometimes people have not had the investment to think right. And we can easily think wrong and live our life with that wrong type of thinking. There was um, a couple of weeks ago, when I come out of my office, I have to, uh, they've closed two bus stops on this particular road, and I've got to work, I've got to walk to the third bus stop. So as, I'm, as I walk to the third bus stop, there's a very busy junction where the bus comes out and turns right and it proceeds for a, a, less than a minute to the third bus stop. So I was walking down the road and I hadn't got to the junction where the bus comes out. But my bus came out and I'm walking to the junction and I said, oh no, I've missed the bus. 
And the Lord said to me, Mitzi, you're not at the bus stop. But I, in my mind, I had missed the bus. I'm going to wait longer. going to take me longer to get home. But the Lord said, you're not at the bus stop. How could you miss the bus if you're not there? And I thought, Lord, that's not funny. I don't want to hear that. I just want to get home. So, and I thought, and there's no way I'm going to run for the bus. I did that six months ago, and I kind of pulled a little muscle, because, you know, as Trevor would know, we're not getting younger. (laughs) So I thought, I ain't running for no bus no more. And so, and then the same thing happened to me the following day. I was walking towards the junction, the bus came out, and I said, oh no, I've missed the bus. And the Lord said, Mitzi, you're not at the bus stop. And I thought, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? You know, so what, he's, what he was trying to show me was that we think sometimes that we missed opportunities. We think that things happen to us unjustly. We think that we should have been over here and I missed the mark or they hindered me. They didn't like me. They obstructed my opportunity. But really... They didn't. It was, you may not have been where you thought you were. I didn't miss the bus because I was nowhere near to getting the bus. And I thought, Lord, you are so good for showing me some simple ways of thinking that we have that need to be realigned. We serve a God that makes every crooked place straight. And that's his job. But sometimes, sometimes you're not aware of the crooked places because we have learnt the Christianese language to keep people at that healthy distance where it looks like we've got figs on the tree. But we don't have. So we are called to bear fruit. You're called to bear particular fruit. Don't give me an orange when you're a fig tree, which is what Saul thought was okay. That's abnormal. God has equipped you all with something, and that's what the body of Christ needs. And because we're a body, and I was thinking this morning, if, um, and I don't know why, but the Lord said, oh, you can use that. I was thinking, you know, if we were a team of footballers and we were all goalkeepers, you know, then nobody would score, but then we would never, we would never, you know, we would never score either. And so in the body, just like this scripture in Nehemiah, they were all in one accord. They all came together as one and they wanted to hear the law. And they all responded the same way with weeping and mourning that bore no fruit. Weeping and mourning until Nehemiah and uh, Ezra had to look at each other, look at the leadership team, look at each other, look at them, and think, what are they doing? This is New Year's Day. This is a time for shouting and rejoicing, and yet they're weeping and mourning. What's the matter with them? It was learnt behaviour. And we really need to be challenged in in our thinking. So going back to Nehemiah, I thought to myself, right, so it was his job to taste the food. And because of his faithfulness, because of his reliability and the way in which he'd carried out his job, that faithful behaviour of doing that regular job, being that parent, being that child going to school, whatever area in which you operate, He worked unto the Lord, and that brought him favour. When he came before the king, and the king saw he was not his normal bubbly self, the king was concerned and inquired, what is it? Why you look so sad? And he said, said, my my ancestral home lies in ruins. When When he originally heard what was going on, 
from, um, he heard an account of how those that had gone back home were living. He said he, he listened to um, Haniah, one of his brethren, and he asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped and had left captivity. Now, when people leave, when people retire, or when people go and live back home, you expect them to thrive. You expect it to end well. And he was inquiring about these people. They were no longer captive. They'd gone back home. It was a good thing. And they said to me, the word says, that the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And the the Bible says it came to pass that when I heard these words, when Nehemiah heard how they were living, because it wasn't supposed, they weren't supposed to live like that. They were our example of of being victory. They were going to be living the dream because they were no longer captives. When I heard, I sat down and I wept and I mourned. And his weeping and his mourning, it went on into um, fasting and praying. And he fasted and prayed. And he was saying, but God, that's not how it's meant to be. And he was able to remind the Lord of what it should look like. And he was able to, and in him telling the Lord how it should look like, because that's what you've promised us, Father. That's what you said it should look like. Um, But why why isn't it like that, Lord? Um, Well, it's either God got it wrong or or it's me. And he began to intercede for the people. He began to, because it could not be good, he, he began to intercede for the people and he, he, he wanted them to be in a position to have all that God had promised them. And we need to not only know what God has promised us, but we need that reality check of where are we from where we should be? Where are we? And in his praying and, and, and weeping in the morning, God was able to download a plan. So when the king said to him, why are you looking so, so disheartened? And the Bible says that at that time, Nehemiah prayed. And I thought, how can you pray in the middle of someone speaking to you? How can you do that? What kind of prayer is that? And then the Lord kind of showed me it was one of these kind of prayers. You know when you're in that opportunity where you have to say something or do something and you almost say in your mind, oh God, I can't, please not now. And God says, go on. And, and so he says, so he almost took that step and said, uh, King, um, I'm unhappy because of how my, my uh, people are living in, in the city. And he was, be, he was able to, to bring out what God had downloaded in him, that it was, it was his appointment to lead them to go and rebuild the wall. And so, and so the qualities that he displayed as a cupbearer, he was trustworthy. He had great influence. He was able to maintain confidentiality. He was valued. He was modest. He was industrious. He was courageous. And these are the skills that he had in him, that God had cultivated in him through his regular day at work, in his family. And God used that to promote him into leading the people into building this wall. And sometimes we forget that where we are, God is still doing a work in us. He who began a good work in you will continue. He will continue. You know, and in Proverbs 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, in, in the Amplified Version, it says, Whoever loves instruction and discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof and correction is stupid. That's what the Bible says. We need to have those relationships. We need to have those friends in our lives who can say, What's the matter with you? Why do you think that? You know, your, your thinking's a bit off, not that we really say that, but we kind of bring them to a position where they could see things in their life. I was talking to um, Chantel last week, 
we were at our home uh, having prayer, and Chantel was saying that God ain't doing nothing. Do you remember Chantel? God ain't doing nothing in my life. Oh, I find it hard to pray. Nothing's happening. And then she continued to say about these messages, these scriptures, this this corroboration that she'd received from various sources, and she read us this and retold us that. And I said, oh, and God's not doing nothing? God ain't doing nothing? And sometimes we need that friend, that, that, that you know, constructive criticism, that your friend can say, hello, didn't you tell me that you were here and now you're here? How did that happen if God's not doing anything? And that's how the Lord works. He manoeuvres us. It's not always, you know, big bang and big headlines. But he's doing a work on the inside, a deep work. You know, he's taking out some of those bricks that cannot be reused and he's building a new foundation. And most importantly for Woolwich Community Church, he, he, he can't put new wine in old wineskins. And old wineskins become old because they are hard and they can no longer stretch. And we are in a season where we can no longer do what we used to, to do because the people are not the same as they used to be. You know, we've got the youth issues, we've got the bleach, we've got the stabbings, we've got, you know, more ungodliness, more perverseness, we've got, we've got more lawlessness, we've got less boundaries... And we can't have the same methods. You know, it may not be an approach of, I love you. Jesus loves you. So? So? Some of them, you can't even tell them. Their face is so hard. They don't want to hear Jesus loves them. What they want to hear is that there is a better way, that there's better opportunities. I was talking to my, um, my nephew's friend the other day when I went to see him in hospital. And, uh, you know, he was there. he's there all the time. So I said to him, um, yeah, you're a good friend. You're a good friend to, to Perez. And he had this, this kind of solemn face. And I said to him, but, um, but you're not here to be sharing in his pain. You're supposed to be here to encourage him. You know, what, what are you doing coming here, you know, sharing his annoyances and disappointments? He's in the bed. You're not. So I said to him, look, um, I said, look, I don't know how you live your life or what you do, but I, let me tell you something, that you've got skills in your life, you know. Whatever you do on the road, you can do legitimately, and there's opportunities for you to earn big money. He said, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, I'm telling my son about doing this, potentially doing this course as a gas engineer. Uh, once he's done his training and whatever, he could potentially earn £1,000 a week. And he looked at me like, and I said, wouldn't you like to have £1,000 a week in your pocket and no one's tapping you on the shoulder? He said, but how, how can I do that? I don't have the qualifications. I said, you don't need qualifications because they train you. They train you from start to finish. You can get a student loan. I said, but that's what you need in your life. You need some hope and some, some vision and some future. I said, it only takes one of you. It's either him or you. Because if you do it, he'll follow you. If he does it, you'll follow him. So that's what you need. You need to be... And so I just continued to speak to him and just open his eyes to opportunities. And God wants you to realise the opportunities that you've got in your life. Because he doesn't call consultants to come into the church to minister to, to the body. He equips you. He equips you. He gives you gifts. And I know that in this church, I, I, I like coming here. I know in this church there's lots of gifts. Some of you are in leadership position. Some of you may think you don't have the opportunity. But you know what? God is doing a new thing. He really is. He'll call people from the north, from the south, from the east, and the west of the congregation, and he'll put you in your position to deliver the message he's given to you because that's what he needs you to do. We cannot be timid. We cannot be hung up on the issues from way back when that are robbing us of our future and of the things we're supposed to, to do. If you have any real issues, then you speak to your pastor. Speak to your leadership team because it's their job to help you get back on track and do the thing you're supposed to do. And we don't have as I said, appraisals, but even those of us that drive, we have an annual MOT in a service, and that's just a car. How much more us? 
And we need that. We need that reality check. We need that shaking. We need to, to let the Holy Spirit have his way in us. And we need to trust him that he can deal with some of those things that we cling to. And, and also that he can remove things that we no longer need that we think we need. So Nehemiah, he, he carried out God's plan. They built the wall in 52 days. All of the, all of the skills and the fearlessness, fearlessness that he learnt, drinking the potential poison every day, was the same fearlessness that he used to get the wall built, to stand up against the enemy and to infuse trust in those that were doing the work. And you've got skills. You have you may not understand the value of them, but God has put them in you for a reason. So whether it's in your workplace, in your place of study, in your family, whether God is going to just prepare you for people that are looking for something, that when they, when they see your fruit, it's real fruit, and you give them a bite, sometimes that's all we're required to do. Just give them something to eat at that time. And off they go, and off we go. It doesn't have to be rocket, rocket science. We don't have to be called to the ministry. And that's, and that's what I do. That's how I talk to people that are around my life. And often they won't talk to me because I will tell them what I think I should say. And, um, and now I've got to, to the place where I only talk to people if they ask me. Because if they ask me, I know they want to hear what I have to say. And I'm a why not person. Why don't we? Why not? What's stopping us? I'm, I'm a problem solver. I'm a, half, I'm a glass half full. I'm a glass half full. Don't be a glass half empty. Don't focus on the bit you ain't got. Focus on what you do have. And you're in a, a, in, in a, a wonderful ministry at a time when God is doing a, a rebuilding. Okay, he cannot use old wineskins. And sometimes it creeps up on us that we're just old and we've got set behaviours and ways of thinking. God can't use you. You need to be flexible. He's going to be pouring out new wine. New wine. Amen? What I'd like to do, I'd like to um, just take some take a short time to give you the time to, to reflect on areas of your own life. Um, if I could have the music team come up, please. What I would like to do is to, if I could pray for the leadership team, I'd like to have the opportunity to pray for them so that they could do what God requires them to do in this time of transition. And then I'll lead us all for a very simple prayer where God can begin to show you areas of your life, perhaps where you've been keeping him out or perhaps where you think God can't intervene. Is this, this your leadership team? Yeah. Okay. Right, you know what I want to do? Um, I was thinking about praying for your leadership team, uh, and it was Verena and Brian that really came to my mind. And, um, no, please. <laughs> I'm looking at you, and out of respect for, for you and your, your leadership team. And um, the Lord showed me Verena and Brian, and they were walking together, and they had a, it was a long, almost like a machete type thing. And you were going through this, it, it was like a jungle. And you were going through the jungle. And at first you were using this long sword to cut things. And at first you were, lead, you were, you were using the sword to cut things off of people's lives. And I just thought, wow, that's interesting, Lord. And yet there was a lot of people behind you. And what God began to show me was that you were leading people and you were leading them through territory that they hadn't been through before. And these long weapons were literally 
cutting down those trees and those obstacles to lead them to where God was taking you. And I thought, Lord, I'll just, I'll just pray over this, this couple and give them that interpretation. Um, Lord, I, I ask you for your, your blessing in your hand to be upon this couple. Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for all that they have been through. I thank you, Father, for keeping them as one. I pray, Lord, that they enter into the opportunity for their fruit to be tasted by those that it has been grown for. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness to you. I thank you, Father, for their love of you. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought them through the refiner's fire, not once and not twice. But I thank you for the roots that are deeply, deeply embedded into your life. I thank you, Lord, for their exciting future. I thank you, Lord, that you've equipped them for a work. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness in Woolies Community Church. And I thank you, Lord, for their opportunity to step out into what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to quickly, I'll lead you through a prayer. If you'd like to bow your head or, or uh, close your eyes. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for the words that you have released into this congregation this morning. Father, I thank you that as they listen to the Spirit of God, that you would show them areas of their life where improvement can be made. You'll show them areas of their life, Lord, where they need to allow you to rule and reign. I ask you, Father, to enable them to do what you have placed on their heart to do. That you made no mistake, that you have equipped them, you have called them. That nobody is too old, nobody's too far gone. I thank you, Father, for the work you're doing in Woolies Community Church. That you want to pour out your new wine. I pray that as they reflect and as they come before you, Father, that you would help them to have the flexibility, have the newness. Help them to be the vessels that you've called them to be, to do the work that you've called them to do. I thank you, Father, for their transition. I thank you, Father, for doing a new work in them so they can be a reflection of you in this time and in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Bitsy. Can everyone stand to their feet, please? About two, two songs. We're just going to spend um, a little bit of time in worship so that you can seal what God has done in you and what you've heard today. By all means, if you want prayer individually, just come up and we'll pray for you. But just stay in that attitude of worship and whatever God is saying to you now, what he's said to you since you've been here, don't just go off and not seal that with the Lord. So as we, as we worship, we'll have a couple of songs of worship, just make sure that you've settled things with the Lord before you go. Hallelujah. Richard. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness, Whose love is mighty, who's so much stronger, the King of glory, the King of all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in all and wonder, the King of glory, the King of all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love. 
going to read the same words out that Richard read earlier. I'm going to read it out and I'm going to declare it over you and release it over you so that this starts happening to you, deep within you, that this will be your cry. God the Holy Spirit, this is what will be your testimony. You will say, you are my life. You're my meaning to life. You're all that I desire. You're my greatest love, my greatest desire, Lord. My heart is full, Lord. It's full of love. It's full of hope. I'm not concerned or distracted with what this world has to offer. I am truly yours. I am fully yours. Open the floodgates, Lord. Open the floodgates of refreshing. I welcome your drops of life, drops of healing that have the power to heal a nation in a day and to set my heart free in the small whisper of your love. Oh, how I love you how I love you, how I need you. You're the master builder. You're building in me a habitation of God, a habitation of glory for you to come and for you to live. I release that anointing on every single one of you, that you will continue to allow the Spirit of God to make you a habitation, that he may come and dwell and live in you, 
that you may be his eyes, his hands, his heartbeat, that you may touch those in front of you. Jesus was about the one that was in front of him, that you will be about the one person that is in front of you, whether that's your husband, your wife, whether that's your child, whether that's your friend, your colleague, that you will have the living Christ living inside of you. So I just release you that you have a blessed week, that you have a time when you just know God in a way you've never known him before as you walk through this coming week. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless you in the name of his son. I bless you in the name of Jesus, the name of Yahweh. I bless you in the name of the Father. And I bless you with all my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's teas and coffees if you want to stay. Bless you.
Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you, and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.